with me to John chapter 5. It'll be verses 1 through 15 when you get there. I'm going to start with a question today before we get into Scripture. And the question is, do you want to get better? That's a loaded question. Better at what, Pastor Jason? All kinds of fun stuff. If you would read with me or stand with me as we read, if you can, as we pay honor to God's word. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been there an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But the man replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Father, this morning we thank you again for an opportunity to come into your house and to worship. Lord, be with us. And bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Familiar story, right? Who's, who's heard this one before? Got some people shy, maybe not wanting to raise their hands, but it's, it's okay. Um, right? Familiar story. The healing in the pool. A crippled man who, who the, the scripture says is invalid, can't move, um, has been placed by the pool to either try to get in when the angel of the Lord stirs the water to be healed, and or bad, because this is one of the pools in the temple, so people would have came by. In, in Jesus' time, if you couldn't work, if you were invalid, you were crippled, lame, blind, something, the only thing you could do is beg, because you, you could not work in society, so you, had, you, you just begged for money. Um, 38 years, every day for 38 years, my math brain went a little bit on this one, 13,879 days. And if anybody else has a math brain, I, I use the 365 and a quarter days per year to come up with my numbers. Weird, I know. But he needed help to get in because in his response, when Jesus said, do you want to get well? The man didn't just answer, yes, I want to get well, or no, I do not want to get well. He's like, I have no one to help me in the water. We'll get to that in a second. But he's, he has no one to help him. Jesus comes on the scene, and as we see, he's unrecognized. The man does not call out for Jesus. The man does not ask him, to, hey, Jesus, son of God, heal me. Guy comes up, hey, do you, want to, do you want to be well? I can't. I can't get in the pool. No recognition of Jesus. But what a bizarre question to ask. I mean, think about it. If you're hurting, 
And you're at a place where it's obvious that everybody around there is, you know, has something they need help with. And some guy comes up to you and says, hey, do you want to get well? I wonder in today's society what the response may have been. Duh. Are serious? I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself. I don't know all the, the, um, the younger vernacular of how they would possibly respond. Uh, but it's a sort of a strange question. But Jesus, here's the answer. He says, ah, okay, fine. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And so the man does. And then here's the fun thing. Now the church comes into play. The leaders were there, and they see him carrying his mat. And I thought about bringing my yoga mat, but I didn't. Um, you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. Totally ignoring the fact the man is walking after being at this place for 38 years. One would think that if we, in the temple, and I'm going to and fro, that I've seen this man before. Maybe I've never paid attention to him. Maybe I have. But here's this man who was an invalid, unable to walk, now up walking, carrying a mat. And what a great end of the story. But it's a little, little more. Jesus goes... It, he slips away, right? And he sends him out without the man knowing who it was. And he gets questioned, who did this? I don't know, some, some guy did this. I don't know who it was. So the question today, are, are you begging or do you want to get well? Do you want to continue as you are? Or will you be changed because Jesus showed up? Got, I think it's yeah, three points today. We'll be out here early. I, I'm, I'm a southern Nazarene, if that means anything. We tried to beat the Baptist out every Sunday. I, I think I've been in Ohio now for almost nine years, maybe nine years, and we're trying to beat the Catholics out, but we beat them all the time because their service goes a little longer. So we'll be good this morning. Um, do you want to get well? First point, straightforward question with a complex answer. The, so Jesus asked, do you want to get well? Yes, please. No, I'm good. Nope, I have no one to help me get into the pool. And it, it, what would you have done? In that situation, right, you're, you're there 38 years. Would you have watched maybe how are the other people getting in the pool so maybe I can learn how they're doing it? Because I would assume there's other people there in his condition that just beat him into the water. Would, would you have maybe enlisted the help of your friends? You know, those guys that carried their friends to where Jesus was teaching and the room was so full, they went up on the roof, tore the roof open and lowered this, their friend down. Ah, I need some friends. So when they see the water shore, they can kick me in the water. Or would you have just, in your own power, found some grit, some, some unction so you could succeed, so you could beat everybody else laying around the pool when the water is stirred? It, I, I think of that. It, what? What would I do in that situation? And so... I go back a little bit. Oh, man. When was General Assembly in Orlando? Happened once. Early 2000, 2009? 2009. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. Illustrations are great, right? They get a break from the, the weird stuff. 2009, in about January, February 2009, I was working for a real estate company south of Atlanta. Uh-oh. They brought in the healthcare people. We're going to do flu shots for free. You know, Stan paid for them, so Stan funded flu shots. I'm a libertarian, so you'll hear that from me. Um, giggles, laughs. Come on, guys, it's fun. Got a flu shot. That was February-ish. 
sometime around mid to late March, April, I got a migraine headache. It lasted. It did not go away. Assembly was June, July. So sometime between there, that four months, I suffered with a migraine headache. I went to a neurologist, had my first MRI ever. I had a, what they could now call a lumbar puncture as opposed to a spinal tap. Uh, that was fun. Um, never had one, didn't know, but I was flat on my stomach on an x-ray table, and they were taking x-rays as they went in to get the spinal fluid, which during my second lumbar puncture, I realized, I don't know what they did there, but the second guys, they were done before I even knew they stuck the needle in me because they had me in a different position. Great. Sorry, sidetrack. Uh, probably eight, nine MRIs. I was MRI'd from the top of my head down to my, you know, looking for anything. I was on all kinds of fun drugs. I think I'd gotten, uh, what's the fun, Vicodin, the big boys. Top man, that's the, yeah, Top Max. The, the stuff people with chronic migraines get and helps them, didn't touch it. Nothing touched my migraine. We're in now in Orlando, Florida. I've had a migraine. We're at District NY Assembly. I was the district president, NY president at the time. We go to one of the services at night as General Assembly's kicking off, and it's a healing service. They're, hey, we had tried everything. The one thing we did not do at the local church, which we maybe should have done, maybe we should have anointed me a little earlier. But do you want to get well? That, that was the call that night. I was sitting in this huge auditorium in Orlando, Florida, and this is migraine. I'm sitting looking at my wife, and they're like, come on down if you, if you need healing. I got up and went on down. Don't know who the man was who touched my head with a little bit of oil, prayed over me. Two weeks later, my migraine was gone. Praise the Lord. And we wonder, and we seemingly like, I've got to do this myself. For four months, I went to doctors, neurologists, had spinal taps, MRIs. I even started going to a chiropractor. All these things in my own power when maybe all it was was Jesus say, hey, how's that faith? Just sitting there waiting. And here's Jesus in the same situation, right? This man, 30, 38 years, 13,800 13, some odd days of waiting and hoping and possibly scheming, how do I get better? And this man walks up and says, hey, you want to get well? Truth is, we all have something in our lives we need to give to God. There's, there's something in here that we need to give away. And whether it's, and we're just scared to present it to God. Why? We sang some great worship songs. Christ paid the price. I have a relationship with God who loves me, who loves me enough to send his son, part of the triune God, to take on this fleshy body and live perfectly and suffer so that I might have relationship and I might simply ask God, I need help with this. What is it? It's addiction. And addiction's a big word. It's a dirty word sometimes. You can be addicted to many things. Pornography, drugs, alcohol, work. How's addicted to being work a bad thing? If, if it takes the place of your love for Christ, it's a bad thing. What else? It, it, could, be, it could be relational. I have a relational issue I need to give over to God. I'm, I'm seeing somebody or it's a work thing that I just can't stand that person at work. They're driving me crazy. Maybe you need to give that relationship over to God. Financial. Obedience. But we, we hold on to it. We think we can just hold on in our sheer determination and grit. God will change his plans to fit our situation. This is my way. But it, it's a little backwards. 
God has a plan for us. If we sometimes we just let go and say, okay, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Church planning. Hello, Lord, I don't know what we're doing. But I think of Moses as he wandered the desert. I think of, oh, missing my Abraham. Go. And he went. He didn't know what he was doing. But God says to do it sometimes, and we go. But we have all these things that I think sometimes are holding us back. We just need to have that conversation with God saying, okay, I want to, be, I want to get well. So there's another illustration. I, I, I talk to people in my line of work. Um, I'm bivocational. I'm an accountant, CPA, loads of fun. And you talk to people, I mean, oh, I mean being a pastor, you hear things. I'm, I'm, really, I'm praying for a job. Okay. Uh, have you applied anywhere yet? Nope. How's your resume look? What resume? Oh. Um, have you told anybody else other than me you're looking for a job? Mm-mm. What kind of, do, do your skill, what kind of skills do you have? How can we, I don't, I don't know. That, that person I was talking to, who shall remain nameless, because he may be related to me, he may not, was waiting for God to drop a job that's going to fit in between a commercial or a, a video break on his computer so that that job could just work perfectly. In the life that I, I'm praying for God to give me a job. The, the point that I see my wife look at me like, what are you trying to say, Wilson? Sometimes you have to take a step toward God for God to say, all right, I see you. Let's go. Point number two. We need to get ourselves in a position to receive or else we'll continue to miss the blessings. Oh, there's times. I'll try to behave. Not sure I will. This man didn't know Jesus. It's, it's obvious in the scripture, right? He, when the Pharisees pressed him, who did this? I don't know, some guy. But in that position, he'd been there for 13,800 some odd days. I'm trying, I can't, I have nobody to help me. I can't get in the water. It, it, it's all my own power. It's my own power. It's my own power. Sometimes we need to get in that position that says, all right, I've, I've got to take my hands off. In that position, you know, as... As I get older, I know I'm not old. I look out in the crowd and neither are you. But there are times you come to the altar and there's times I need to go to the altar and I will suffer the, the, the pain, joint pain to get there. I'm, I got some old sports injuries. It's, it gets a little painful. But there's not, maybe you can't get into position and kneeling at the altar, but you can, just, you can sit in your chair, put your head down. You can stand up, put your hands up. You, you, there's a position to receive blessings from God. And sometimes that is just acknowledging that God is there to want to help you. Think of the prodigal son. What is, in the, in the parable, what is God doing? He's sitting on the porch waiting. Do your thing. But as soon as he sees that you have turned and started walking back, what does God do? Beelines. It's like, all right, he's back, let's go. That's it. Oh, man, that, whew. If I had my, here, wait. Woo, there we go. Some old school Nazarene. There are times when faith can move mountains, right? Faith can move mountains. It, but, there's t- but there's times to be in a position to receive. The woman who touched, the woman with the issue of blood, who just reached out and touched in her mind, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. After spending her whole life's savings for physicians to try to heal her, if I can just touch, that's faith. She reached out, she fought through a crowd. Because in, in context, right? Jesus stops, who touched me? And his disciples going, what do you mean who touched you? You're being surrounded by all these people. But he's like, power has went out. 
Somebody with faith has touched me, and she was healed. We think of the centurion who believed Jesus' word just by faith. Don't come. I, if, you're, if you say it, it'll happen. The, the man at the pool, he had to have faith when Jesus said, all right, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. If you'd been there 38, if you told me after I'd been somewhere 38 years, and I don't know who you are, get up and walk, take your mat, go. What would your reaction have been? Mine, honestly, who are you? If it's that easy, do not think I would have done it 38 years ago. Just pick up your mat and go. But he didn't know who Jesus was. He had no idea who was telling them this. Jesus sometimes sought out those who needed healing. When, when Lazarus died, he went, he waited, and he said, Lazarus, come out. And now he's just going to this place. He's going in the temple and he stops and goes, hey man, you want to get better? The guy had no idea. But Jesus knew the man's condition. He knew. And for his glory, he had a plan. And oftentimes it's for the glory of God. We, sometimes I think we pray for things. Oh, this is great. Oh, I would love in Strongsville for God. Give me that building, you know, that, that one church. They're not doing so well. Maybe if we could just find the denomination and we could trade buildings some way and we could get a, this huge building. This is a beautiful place, by the way. Something like this, but for free. Is that for God's glory? Or is that for, because Jason, I'm tired of looking for real estate. I just want God to plop something in my lap. Mm, not the right time. He didn't ask for help, but when it was offered, he received it. How many times, I wonder, in, in our life, and as Christ followers, how many times have we just passed up a blessing because even though we weren't asking for it, it was offered, and we said, no, I got this. I, mm, I don't need that help. Especially when it comes from God. Our church, are we going to stop going through the motions or trust God and come into his presence? I read, I, I unfortunately, I read. I read articles. I read, I get the emails from everybody and they talk about, you know, the state of the church. The state of the church, God, we, we're split down the middle. I've, I've been saying this for years. It's more prevalent now than ever. But when are we going to stop going through the motions? And the last article read was like, is your spirituality just enough to get you up into church? And that's it. Come to the meetings. Or when are we going to step back into the fullness and the presence of God? And as Nazarenes, as a holiness people, we believe that. We believe in the second work of grace called sanctification. The, the outpouring of grace so much that I don't have to sin every day in word, thought, and deed. Doesn't mean that I won't, but I don't have to. I can have days when I can go without sin. I can have days where I need to go repent because somebody cut me off in traffic, which is really hard in the time of COVID when no one's driving, but it happens. Third point, change comes with a price. Man, others will not be as excited for you in the results of God's blessings as you are. I'm like, I'm just going to sit there for a second and I'm going to read it again. Others will not be as excited about what God has done for you as you are. Who, who got saved at a young age? A couple, okay. Man, I remember summer camp between third and fourth grade. Don't know the years. That's, that's one of my idiosyncrasies. But I remember the campfire. I remember the prayer. 
I remember everything about it. I remember telling my mom after camp and we go to the pastor of the church and we're talking about it. He's like, dude, you've already said the prayer. You're in. I was so excited. But you tell people about that now, right? And that was young age. I don't know, what's that, eight, nine-ish, maybe? I don't remember ages that well, somewhere between third and fourth grade. And you go to work, you're by a vocational pastor, you're in the workplace, and you start talking about Jesus. Some people are like, mm, I don't want to hear that. It's like, mm, you're going to hear it anyway until you complain to HR, they tell me to stop. And then I'll put my resume out because my resume is always ready. Because sometimes you talk about Jesus, some places don't like that very much. But you do. But then what happened? Jesus sends this guy out. The first interaction, they're like, what are you doing? You can't carry your mat. It's the Sabbath. And what the guy's response was, well, the guy who told me to get up and walk said to carry my mat. Maybe that's a stipulation of me being able to walk. If I don't carry my mat, if I drop my mat, I can't walk. I don't know. But he did it. And like, so the Pharisees at the time, guys, that's a church. That's what we're we're sort of becoming, right? You know, somebody, whoo, Jesus did this for me, but man, you need to change your clothes. Not here, maybe not here, because I saw the sign up front, come as you are. And I, my, my prayer is that if somebody walks in as they are, that you still love on them. As a former youth minister, you hear the stories of kids coming to church for the first time, and they, they're wearing what they have, and it's not church appropriate. Man, and somebody goes up and says, you can't wear that here. And they never come back into the doors of a church again. As you come as you are and you go to camp, you get them there. You, I'm going on a tangent. You struggle at camp with camp directors and campgrounds. Oh, these kids can't be dressed like that. That's all they got. And they're here with God for a week. We have them in this place in Georgia where there's zero cell phone reception. There's nothing else for them to do but hang out with godly people. And you're worried about their bathing suit? Fine, take them to the pool, put a shirt on them when they get in the bathing suit. Because we, at that point in time, we were good Southern Nazarenes. Girls swim, boys swim, no mixed bathing. I don't think we do that up here. I'm not sure. You don't, that's not one of those big arguments anymore. But at the same time, we're sitting there, I'm like, what are you doing? Who needs to hear the gospel message more than somebody who has no idea how to put the clothes on right? Who needs to feel the love? of godly men, so that we look at this part, we're not oodling and, oh man, that's a 16-year-old young woman. You're still loving on her without looking at it in a lustful way. So that person, that, that young woman can realize and feel the love of God coming through a, a male figure that maybe she doesn't have at home. And we just go down the path. It come, change comes with a price. The Pharisees were trying to be an anchor to this man. They didn't know who it was until later when Jesus found him. Hey, dude, what's going on? I got you. It's like, hey, I see you're still well. Now, don't go sin anymore or something worse may happen. That's a whole nother sermon, right? When Jesus says the, the phrases, go and sin no more. So we'll, we'll save that for another time. But something worse may happen. And then so what's the guy do? Oh, it's Jesus. He goes and tells the church, hey, guys, it was Jesus who did this. And that's, that's where we end. But the church of the time was not very happy with Jesus. He did things on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. But they didn't get that. But Jesus rebuked them because they changed their laws so it benefits them. So if they're supposed to be helping their parents, oh, it's the Sabbath, or oh, this is sacred. So the Pharisees were like sort of bending the rules to help them, but not for everybody else. So my challenge this morning 
for the church is, let's just make sure we're not bending our rules. Um, it's actually in here. I don't know who said this, but I wrote it down. And I wish I knew who said this because this is not mine. But it says, when rules create barriers to salvation, remove the rule. We can't have, we, we, we should have rules. We should have things. But as in my preaching philosophy is that if I am um, discipling you and you have accepted Christ and you've come to me for discipleship, I'm going to, we need to talk. You, you don't need to wear those shorts. You don't need to do this because you've entrusted me to be your teacher. But when we have somebody coming off the street who has, who's searching for something and we have, oh, you, you can't be here like that. You can't do this. And those rules go out the window. Salvation is primary. That's our job. That's not my job. That's the, the Holy Spirit's job is to convince, convict of sin. My job is to make the introduction. And then once they have gotten it and they say, "Woo, Jesus got a hold of me. I said, great. Now I'm going to teach you some stuff. It's going to be a little hard at first. And we're not going to try to do it. We're not going to rip the Band-Aid all off at once. But big things first. And then we'll get to the little things, little things, little things. And then we're going to make it to where you can go out next time somebody comes in because now you have a relatable story to the next person who comes in. You can disciple them much better than me. And that's, or, or that's the question this morning. Are, are we beggars this morning? Are we sitting around just, feed me, give me something in my hand. Or are we willing to receive what God has for us this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning, as we think about your word, we think about the story of Jesus entering the temple and just finding someone, someone who wasn't looking for him and changed his life. It should help us to reflect what, what's going on in my life that I'm not giving to you. What's going on in my heart that I'm sitting there as a beggar by the pool waiting for someone to help me as opposed to just turning out to you and saying, God, I, I'll give it to you. Father, we, we, we live in, so, I don't want to call it a strange time, but it, it just seems so disjointed. It hurts when I, I think of the church and you can see us just split down the middle over political issues. And, and I was reading, I can't remember where I read it, but it, it said, Father, if we would get on our knees and cry out to you, we would have far less opportunities to point fingers and criticize and tear us each other apart. Because if we're all crying on our knees to you and pouring our hearts out to you, that's when we can become unified. We, we can't find fault in someone seeking God. Father, this morning, I just pray for everyone here. If there's something in their life, Lord, addiction, financial, relationship-wise, anything, Lord, and they need help, Lord, that they would reach out to you. That they just, and just simply, Jesus, I give this to you. And if they pray that prayer this morning, Lord, I, I would ask that they would then follow it up with, find someone in the church that they trust and they can say, I have given this to God, pray with me and pray for me. That's our purpose, is to help each other, disciple each other, and love on each other. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.